Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. I'm your host, James Dice. Each week, I fire questions at the leaders of the smart buildings industry to try to figure out where we're headed and how we can get there faster without all the marketing fluff. I'm pushing my learning to the limit, and I'm so glad to have you here following along. This episode is a conversation with Michael Grant, COO of software platform Metricus and IAQ rating system AirRated. We talked about the Metricus platform, the latest trends in the industry related to overlay software and sensor hardware stacks, and finally, why Metricus is releasing a new platform called Helix. And hint, it's all about flexibility. Then we talked about AirRated and how it's different from other certifications and rating systems out there. Without further ado, please enjoy the Nexus podcast with Michael Grant. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself? Thanks, James. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So I'm Michael Grant. I'm the COO and co-founder of Metricus and AirRated. So run operations for both businesses, uh, internal and, and external operational strategy as well. Cool. Can we start before you got into the industry? What, what, what were you doing before you got into buildings? Before I got into buildings, I was the COO for a group of companies in the UK that one was uh, a networking company, another, another one was uh, wireless and uh, unified comms company, and the other one actually within the group was a retail engineering delivery company. So prior to that, I had run, I'd been in operations, been COO for, for multiple companies, if you go way back, I was an electrician by trade. Then I did electrical engineering, which I didn't stay in. And then IT, building data centers, and then got into prop tech slash the real estate space about 2000, probably 2016, I think I first got into it when Cisco asked me to come in and help the company that was asset mapping before I did a management buyout and created Metricus. Always been around technology, but not in the not in this kind of space, if you like. Yeah, you've been doing COO stuff for a long time. Sounds like for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what is Metricus? We're going to start there. What is that? What is Metricus? Metricus is a smart buildings software platform. We are. And my uh, head of technology, Sam, and I had a discussion yesterday. He doesn't like to use the word middleware, but actually he's come to the conclusion that we are a middleware platform. So <laughs> just because of the new project we're, we're having with another customer of ours, we are, I would, anyone would say this is their company, that we, we are the smart buildings platform for buildings and the middleware. So okay. customers take us either via our UX and our UI or take data via, straight out via our API. It's, it's quite a flexible platform. Got it. Yeah, and obviously we're going to dig into that a little bit more in a bit. What, what's yes. AirRated? AirRated is the global benchmark for indoor air quality. So what does that mean? We provide you with an air score for your building. So WideScore do it for technology, you know, certified silver, gold, or platinum. Cycle score in the UK does it the same sort of thing. The air score is about the air in your the air in your building, the air that you breathe, and and what what's going on in the building. So three weeks certification, you get your air score. It's an annual certification, and it's taken off hugely. So lots of people, everyone's become an indoor air quality expert because of COVID, right? So okay, and are those those are separate sort of separate companies then? Yes. So we own the majority of it. It was started by Francesca Brady and myself and a couple of other people. We came up the idea 
before COVID, we'd been building it prior to COVID because there's well, fit well, reset and lots of others, but there was nothing that really just concentrated on, on air quality. Uh, and we were doing so much of it in Metricus that the idea spawned from one of our customers actually saying, we'd like to do the, the well standard, but it's all encompassing and it's a lot of money. And what we really want to focus on with our team is air. So that's where it started and, and where it came from really. And it kind of grew okay. legs from there. So. All right. Well, we can circle back on that topic in a little bit more detail as well. Yeah. When I stalked you on LinkedIn, as I do, there were other things that you're currently involved in as well, right? So there's there's PropTech Ramble, W360, and Leaderless. What what are those? PropTech Ramble is my version of a podcast, James. So just like yours, I ramble on, but I get to speak to lots of very smart, very uh, interesting people from the industry like you do. And people who are actually now starting to send in questions that they like answered so bring different people in to answer those questions so that's that's the ramble uh, and i'm australian and we generally like to talk a lot so that helps w360 is is a joint venture partnership between metricus and a company called eft consult they're actually a global company but they're based in wales and they're a mechanical engineering company and they are working with the British standards to bring out a standard for, to monitor indoor environmental quality. So not just air, it includes light and noise and a few other bits and pieces. Interesting. And they, they're building a sensor with a company that we're also helping with, but they needed a platform to bring all of that data into one place and then give a scoring matrix on the back end that, that the customers can take as a report. So we met each other through a mutual introduction myself and Dave Keefe, the, the CEO, we had a conversation. He said what he was doing, he said, we need a platform. I said, actually, we have a platform. So I showed him the platform. And with a couple of tweaks, we've managed to create the platform that they need for a go-to-market around monitoring indoor environmental quality. So it made sense for us to join up because they will do all the mechanical engineering and the, the, the remediation side, and we'll provide the software side for them. But one couldn't work without the other, really. So it was kind of a match made in heaven. So, cool. uh, and and leaderless is something I do uh, voluntarily. So uh, a very good friend of mine who I used to work with in level three many, many years ago, James, he has decided to help people in South Africa get communications and decentralize comms and banking and, you know, schooling because... I don't know if you know about all the problems in South Africa, but there are, there are quite a lot going on. So we've been, it, it was, we, we had been doing it in stealth for many years. So I've been working on it for a long time, but we never, you know, kind of really talked about it. It was being done in stealth. We've run fiber thousands of kilometers in South Africa to get communications out to people. Uh, and I help with the, the network and infrastructure design on how we're going to build mini data centers in all of these villages to help people have their own community. And we're building schools and universities and shops and all of that will decentralize and everyone will have their own little data centers. They can run all their own villages and schools and then they're, not, they're not reliant on anyone else to do so. And everyone in those villages is involved in all the projects to help grow in a, a mini economy in each one and, and, and get comms out because they're disconnected and we're trying to help them be connected. And it's, it all stems from education, really. It's all about education. No, no one involved makes any money off it. No one charges for anything. It's just to help people out. Very interesting. We have a couple members of the Nexus community from South Africa, and I haven't heard about any of that like 
comms related issues that it seems like that would also get in the way of, you know, beyond education, it would get in the way of enabling technology and buildings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would. And it does. I mean, to, to the point where we're building a data center, the data centers are container ship containers. So uh, a shipping company has is donating a ton of containers for us to build data centers, which will be the shipping containers, which we need to put air conditioning in. And then some of those huts might be, some of those containers might be turned into shops and lots of other cool things. But it's because everything is controlled by the government there and you can't really communicate unless it goes through the government, you know, you know, the control, they are the controlling faction in, in the country. It's trying to give the power back to the people that they've, that they don't have. Interesting. Well, I wanted to ask you about all those things because it sort of provides context on, you know, sort of who we're listening to, who we're talking to here. Lots, lots going on in your life. It seems like. There is, there is a lot going on. Yeah. At some point I'll take a holiday. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's zoom in on, on Metricus. What, what can you go deeper into besides middleware layer, what you guys do, who your clients are, how you go to market, that, that type of thing. Yeah. So we've got quite a wide and varied customer base. We, we, because we're hardware agnostic, our platform can, can adapt to anything. So we, we have finance and banks, insurance companies. Uh, we have, you know, public sector organizations like the Met Office that monitor the weather and, you know, sell that information to people like Sky and BBC and others. We also have done a big stint in smart agriculture where we were monitoring chicken sheds and the, you know, the environmentals of the chickens. We do energy monitoring for people. We, we're doing stuff in hospitals. We're doing stuff in warehouses. Really that there's, you know, a building is a building to us. It depends on the customer requirement because we're hardware agnostic. There's generally a solution to a customer's problem that the platform and technology can solve together. But the big space for us is obviously commercial buildings and commercial buildings. It doesn't matter if you're an owner occupier and you've got a lot of space post COVID, you're trying to work out how much space you actually need. You really need, you know, beforehand buildings were kind of 70 to 80% full since COVID there, you know, it is really ramping back up. I've noticed in the last week, if, if I don't get the really early trains now, I'm not getting a seat. So London is London is back to being very, very busy. Hmm. Is it, is it, is it back to a hundred percent of where it was post COVID? Not quite, but you know, our occupancy index is showing that it is ramping right back up, but for us, commercial real estate, people wanting to understand how much space they actually need is, is a big play because there's huge cost savings to be made there. And occupancy, indoor air quality and energy monitoring kind of in the commercial building space, that's where we're seeing a lot. And it depends on what we're doing for customers. As an, as an example, we've got, uh, and, and we're working with more landlords than we ever have before. Pre-COVID, it was all owner, uh, it was all occupier slash tenant, 95%. But now a lot of landlords have really, you know, had a bit of a kick, I think, and realized they need to do something about proving that they've got a smart building or looking at the indoor air quality and doing their common areas. So people, you know, when you need it, when you want to get a lease, you want to charge premium rent. So we've got great indoor air quality. We've got a smart building and this is how we monitor it. Hmm. Uh, so we're doing, we're doing a lot there globally, not just in the UK, but a landlord in Canada, they started and they said, number one, we want to use your API. No problem. So they want to pull it into their, reporting module for their management which is power bi so they take it out via our api and it's all about energy monitoring to start with that's it the, the yeah. guy there 
lovely guy, guy called Ken. He's like, Michael, just do energy for me. And then I'm ticking a massive box in my, in my organization for my reporting because we don't currently have it out of all of our buildings. Then you've got the Met Office who started with indoor air quality and then they went to capacity monitoring and then they came to us and said, we've got radar stations where we've got a radar dome and we've got a, a, a building kind of the size of a shipping container most times, 40 foot shipping container size roughly. And they said in there's a lot of expensive server equipment and then we've got the radar station. And at the moment, we don't know what's going on in either of those. So we send someone there once a week in a car to take mm. readings. They ride it down. They go back to their, you know, they do a few radar stations in a day. They go down, they ride it down, they put it somewhere and they put it on an Excel spreadsheet, whatever it might be. Can you help with that? And so once we understood what they needed out of those sites, instead of them spending roughly $16,000 a year to maintain those sites, we provided a software and hardware solution that was $12,000 over three years. And now for them, the, the overhead costs, the operating costs have come down. They only send someone to site when they need to. Hmm. So, cause they're getting the energy readings, they're getting the temperature, they're getting the humidity. They know when someone enters site and when they leave. And that's, that's great. That's a quick, easy win. But then also from an ESG carbon you know, emission reduction, they're not sending someone out in a diesel powered car and driving hundreds of miles every week to go and check these sites. So it really is varied, you know, and the commercial building space is generally occupancy capacity, indoor air quality and energy. But again, the building is a building, but the, the biggest play at the moment is commercial real estate. Cool. Very interesting. So it sounds like you guys play in two, many of the different categories that I use to sort of analyze the marketplace. When going back to like the middleware, we'll kind of set those applications and use cases off to the side. Yeah. Going back to the middleware concept, I call this like, I typically call it the independent data layer where you're sort of uh, independent from the applications. It sounds like you guys play that role in some yeah. cases, but then you also have software applications as well. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So at the moment, we have V3. We have Metricus Helix coming out next year. We're, we're doing some beta trials with, with some customers. But yes is the answer. So we can we are the UX and the UI with the digital twin and the alerting and the data views and the analytics, or we are the API so you can pull it into other systems. And, and that that is growing more and more. It's the reason that we have created Metricus Helix as well is because we realize as a middleware platform, we need to become even more flexible than we are at the moment because the industry is changing, people's requirements are changing, you know, this space is evolving, although it's still very immature from, you know, I come from a network routing and switching and then unified comms world, which has been around for 20, 30 years. This space is, you know, the prop tech space is still quite immature, but it's growing up quite quickly and, and it's evolving. So you, you need to evolve your platform in the same way. Got it. And what's driving that? It sounds like if you, if you look at like the history of our industry, right, you have these software applications that sort of provide the full stack and they're providing an application that they might have that data layer integrated into it, but they're not intending to provide that to anyone. They're providing the integration for themselves, database, data model, everything that sits on top of that so that they can provide that one application. Yeah. What's driving this shift towards you know, flexibility as you just called it? 
I think part of it is because customers need different pieces of hardware to provide them different solutions, whether, whether it's connecting to an existing building management system or a HVAC system, that, that's one thing. Then if you want to overlay capacity data and then indoor air quality data to understand what's really going on in your building, there's a lot of point solutions out there, as you just mentioned, like just here's our hardware, here's our software, Mr. Customer, you don't need anything else. But actually, that's really not true anymore. Yeah. And, and it's and, and expanding. We, As an example, some, some of our customers have got hardware from five or six different hardware partners. And that's why that's where Metricus comes in is that bring all that data together, whether you want to overlay that data and do the analytics in Metricus or push it into another platform, that's that's completely up to you. That's the flexibility of who we are and what we do. And then the next part of that for us is allowing people to develop third party applications as well. It's not just here's our API, go and put it into Power BI, Tableau, Looker, anything else, you know, or or an IWMS or, or, or CAFM system. It's other people we've started to talk to would like to develop third-party applications against the data that we're getting out, whether that's ESG reporting or SECR, which in the UK is streamlined energy and carbon reporting. People want the flexibility to do something else with that data. And, and as a software company, we don't want to do all of that heavy lifting all of the time for people. We want to continue to adapt the platform so it's as flexible as possible but we don't want to create all of those third-party applications or else, you know, going from, you know, 12 engineers that we have to 30, 40, or 50, we'll be permanently creating connectors, if you like. Hmm. So for us, it is giving people an API that they can connect to. So if you, if a customer comes up and says, you know, I've got this new sensor and I want to connect it to Metricus platform, we say, no problem. Here's our API. If that hardware partner delivers the data in this way, you can plug it straight in and you don't even need us happy days and away you go. Hmm. Uh, and then the next part is we'd also then like to develop an application using that sensor in your platform, but put it into an app. No problem. There's, there's Metricus Helix, go for it, no, no issues. And you just pay for API calls. So we will have to change our billing model uh, because at the moment we charge per data point and there will still be a mix. There'll still be an, a data point model, but, we'll, but then we'll have to have an API model as well. And, and we'll get onto our APIs are like toothbrushes thing in a little bit, I suppose, but from my comment last time, but it's them working out what that, what that charging model is because we don't want to create a platform that's just charging for an API because it's charging for an API. It's the value that it brings to people. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was just going to ask about, right? You led me, led me right to my question. So typically in that old world, the point solution world that we're coming out of, and I totally agree that we're coming out of it, you would have that point solution provider and they would charge based on the value that their application is providing, right? And then now we've had like this independent data layer, middleware concept come on board. They might have a different pricing model, but they're, but they're not, usually that pricing model is not designed to capture the full value that could be captured by an application that sits on top of it, Right. And then, so you guys are like doing both, right? And so your pricing model needs to reflect whatever yeah. value is being given by your platform. Correct. Correct, exactly right. And we're still working that out, right? Metricus Helix isn't out yet, uh, but it's something we're working on both from development and a commercial standpoint. Because if the customer, to take Metricus today, the customer through our API at the moment still has the same 
charge from a data point because we're still storing all the data in the platform. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's still a data point charge. So it's still actually quite easy. But if we go to full API model and people are just making the calls and they want to store the data somewhere else and we don't need to store the data, do we charge in a different way? But at the same time, having all of that data in our platform and attaching machine learning and AI to it then creates its own value. So you can start to predict how busy buildings will be, you know, the, the world thinks Mondays and Fridays, it's going to be a ghost town and it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when everybody's in, but trying to figure that out that, that the hardest part, I think for everyone in this space, and this is, this is why also, and last time we spoke, we're looking for sensors that don't have that API and platform cost themselves is because otherwise you've got platform cost and platform cost and platform cost. And when the customer looks at their inverse, like I've got my metricas platform, and then I've got my A, B, C, D and E platform cost, but, Michael, we only want Metricus. And it's like, well, I know, but, but these other hardware providers have got a hardware platform, have got a platform cost, whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not. And a lot of our customers are asking us to go and look for these sensors. So we are actively in the market looking for our customers to help them solve this problem. And then you've got one platform cost. That'll be Metricus. If they then use all of Metricus, then great. But if they take it out of Metricus and put it into Power BI or Looker or Tableau or whatever else it might be, then they've only got one platform cost from us, which is minimal compared to any other charges they're getting. So the value is in the data, but the value is also in our platform and aggregating sensors. You know, James, Jim Whalen from Boston Properties is someone I speak to a lot. And, and he's in the same mindset. He's like, Michael, I'm not using a sensor company that has to charge me for sensor platform if I've got multiple sensors. I'm just not doing it anymore because... The, the price, you know, when you're talking about thousands of sensors, that there's a hell of a lot of cost there if you're, if you're paying for platforms that you're not actually using. So they're not actually adding any value to them, but you still have to pay for them. That's hugely frustrating. Totally. And I know Jim listens to the podcast while he's on his bike. So hopefully he didn't just hear his name while he's biking and, and <laughs> some sort of wreck. So shout out to Jim. Uh, Cool. So you talked about Helix and how it's a change from, I think you said V3 is the platform yes. today. What, what is that new, what's the new platform bring? As I've tried to touch on a little bit before, more flexibility than, than we currently have. So, you know, we, we've got more hardware partners and software partners integrated than any other platform and competitor of ours in the market. We're at 28 now. I think the first time you and I spoke, we were at 22 or 23. So we're doing two this month we're doing three i think integrations and we're doing two and one to two software integrations every month so that will continue the big change as i mentioned earlier is you hardware partners will be able to integrate against us rather than us doing all the heavy lifting hmm. people will be able to integrate into us and if if a customer says i've already got metricus as my middleware platform whether they're using the ux ui and everything or whether they're taking it out by the api if uh, someone tries to sell a sensor to, to a customer and this customer says, great, I've got Metricus, you plug into Metricus and you show me that it works, happy days, we'll use your sensor. That's that's one of the big changes. No one in the market's doing that. That's that's no, yes. no, no one's thinking about that. They may do now, I've said it, and try and have a race with us to do it. But that, that, that I think needs to be done because it, it exists in other industries, so it should exist in ours. So they wouldn't need a, a gateway for every new type of sensor. They would just install the sensor. You guys would pull it in locally, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it's if it's a, a hardware sensor that has a platform, 
and, and needs an API, then there'll be API to API. But this, this is our API. You develop against this, join it up, and then push the data in and pull it out whichever way you want. Okay. Uh, the other part is the, the, the ability to develop third-party applications. We think that's quite big because we're not the experts in every field, you know, like in industrial warehousing, industrial factory, you know, whoops, the industrial factory is one, one in the same thing, but, you know, industrial automation, we're, we're not that, we're not the experts in there, but if there's a sensor that needs to be connected and you want to overlay lots of different data sets, we can help but there might be a third-party application that you want to develop that needs to be on an app rather than in the web browser. And it's, you know, it's monitoring critical equipment. You can build that and, and just take the data from us with, with whatever connected sensor you need, whether, it. it's, whether it's for an existing building system or it's an additional sensor. So there, there, there are a couple of the big ones. The other one is that we're working with lots of tenant experience app partners as well. So, you know, Equiem was the first one we developed with, and we've got a great relationship with them and Gab and her team, Office App, HQO, you know, we're talking to Microsoft as well. The ability to have data go natively into a mobile app is also very important. So that's, at the moment, we have it, we have, we just have to change the web browser version of the platform to, to do that. But having it native into an app is is one of the other big ones as well, so that it can literally plug into anything and, you know, away you go. So as the tenant experience app, the value add to their customers, if they're already in, not having to have Metricus, but having that certain parts of our platform or our data sets with the sensors in their apps natively is 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 one of the things we we, we know we need to do as well. Okay, so you mean someone else's tenant experience app, you just being able to connect in for their to their cloud so that then they could push the data to the users in the apps? Correct, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, got it. Hey guys, just another quick note from our sponsor, Nexus Labs, and then we'll get back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Nexus Foundations, our introductory course on the smart buildings industry. If you're new to the industry, this course is for you. If you're an industry vet but want to understand how technology is changing things, this course is also for you. The alumni are raving about the content, which they say pulls it all together, and they also loved getting to meet the other students on the weekly Zoom calls and in the private chat room. You can find out more about the course at courses.nexuslabs.online. All right, back to the interview. Okay, so a big piece of this is obviously the, with being the independent data layer, a big piece of that is the data model, right? So the ability to, you know, marry all these disparate types of data together and and to a common model. How do you guys approach that conversation and that product decision? Do you do you mean the data output? So standardizing the data output. So so it's it's something we we've talking about at the moment actually. We've you know there's brick, there's haystack. One of the things we are doing because we are moving across to Azure, we're using DTDL, which is a big part of what we're doing, which is, you know, JSON on the back end, essentially. But we, we are standardizing on that. But the output of how you want to take that data and transform it through the API is, is, up, is up to you as, as the end customer or the, or the partner that might be supplying to an end customer. But, but yeah naming convention standardization is something we're doing through DTDL, which is Microsoft, obviously, but Haystack and Brick. And there is, there is another one that we were talking about. I was talking about with Sam, my head of tech about this the other day. It, it'll, it'll come to me. Is it Owl? I think it's Owl. It, I might be 
completely wrong but that's something we're trying to figure out now and, and we're almost there with 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 helix but that's hugely important because when you connect to an existing building and whether it's energy data or building management system data with all due respect to the fm world and the building management engineers there's there's not a lot of standardization from naming conventions in these things so generally when we're doing it at the moment it's either brick or haystack that we push it out as but again dtdl will be the overriding and then we'll push it out that way but there's not a lot of standardized i I come from a networking world where every router and switch there are global naming conventions for everything when i went into the bms world and started looking that like one floor is different to the next floor, to the next floor, to the next floor. There's literally no standardization. And is this something that as you're thinking about, you know, we talked about the transition in the industry from point solutions to flexibility. Do you have building owner customers asking you about data modeling at this point, or is it not a concern or thought? We, uh, we, we do. It's, it's not a huge concern at the moment because we're normalizing the data for them when we give it to them. But it's it's not a big concern so long as we can normalize the data and give it to them out via an API if that's the way they choose to take it. If they're putting it into the platform and then we're visualizing it for them and we're giving them the live data and the historic data, that we normalize that data. How we normalize that data, if it's temperature, it's vibration, it's fan speed, it's anything else, we, we call it what it is. We take the bastardized naming convention on the back end, we normalize it and then we we pull it out as, as something that people can understand, if you like. Interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about APIs then. <laughs> so your quote that, that we put on LinkedIn. So you and I had like an introductory conversation. We started talking about data, yep. mostly talking about occupancy data, because yes. I was writing an essay a couple of weeks ago about that. And you, you had a quote that I love, which was APIs are like toothbrushes. Everybody's got one, but no one wants to use anybody else's. Yeah. which is hilarious. Obviously, some context is required. Um, and I probably should have <laughs> put the context on LinkedIn before I posted it. But you'll learn this about me. I like to just post really open-ended things and just see what comes out of the universe. <laughs> um, I, I, I was very happy. You know, there, there were lots of comments. You know, there, there were some quite funny ones. I didn't realize people took it as a negative comment, which is not, it wasn't meant as a negative comment, of course. But the context was, just to give people context who, who may listen to this, is, we were talking about connectivity and, and it comes back to whether it's data normalization or a data model or connecting to another platform, a- APIs, there, there are some brilliant ones out there, you know, disruptive technologies, a partner of ours that make this tiny sensor here over my shoulder, their, their API is fantastic. We have a partner in the UK that have got some really good sensors, but it took us three months to develop against their API because actually it wasn't it wasn't meant to be pushed out via an API. They built a closed solution essentially, but they wanted to, they realized they needed to partner with people to generate more sales. And they had a point solution that they needed to open up. So that took three months to develop against. And actually we almost ended up helping them write their API. So, and there are like some of the comments that were on the, on the post that people charging a ton of money for an API that you that it just is just pushing data to doesn't make any sense right but they want you to use theirs but you don't want to use theirs because they're charging you for it but it's not giving you any value so the context was around different different apis the good the bad the ugly the ones that are free the ones that are charged for that's that's kind of why my my api you know analogy about toothbrushes is is there 
but it's you know there are some great APIs like some of the comments there. There, there are some you know another guy which very funny. I can't remember his name now. He wrote, he just his his answer was another problem interface. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's felt the pain as well, obviously at some point. So, but I, I say all of this, and I hope the API that we put out is great. And I expect some people to say it's crap and you know come back at me, but I'm I'm very happy for people to do that. But we're making ours very open so people can develop against it, you know. And and you know there is. There is one other piece that I can't talk about with, with Helix that will come out when, it, when the product comes out that I think people will understand why we've built the platform the way we've built it because there is something very cool coming out as part of this as well that will make everyone happy, I hope. You know, it may not, it may not make some of our competitors happy, but it'll make customers and end users very, very happy. So, cool. What, what struck me when I put that quote on LinkedIn was the just the, it feels like, the word API, it's almost like it doesn't mean anything at this point, because when I say API and I get, you know, 20 comments that are the exact opposite of 20 other comments, this happens quite a bit. It seems like you there were different definitions being used for API. Are we in this like wild, wild west sort of phase of the industry where People are creating APIs to maybe check a box, but then we have other people that are that are designing them right to enable something else, right? So where are we at? Like if we think about phases of the industry when it comes to APIs, my personal view is a lot of hardware vendors are creating APIs to create recurring revenue models for their business. Hmm. Okay, so I won't name them, but there are lots out there. Because you you can, we, we've got lots of hardware partners. We've got 28 that we've now integrated with, and we're doing two more this month that don't charge you for anything, but they've got an API or they give you the, the data directly via MQTT or BACnet or Modbus or, or, or another medium, you know, that that's, you know, that doesn't really need to be an API in the middle a lot of the times. So for some of the things, I agree, there really does need to be. But for a lot of the times, there doesn't actually need to be an API. So some people are building an a, a APIs to, to try and add recurring revenue and value to their business because they're essentially a hardware company. Others are just doing it so they can charge for it, which was one of the comments that was on the, the LinkedIn post that you put up. Uh, so I think that will change, but, but you're right. It is a bit of the wild west at the moment is build an API, see whether I can charge for it, see whether people ad adopt it and see how many people start to use it. And then I might start to charge for it if people start to use it. So, you know, bearing in mind, I am saying this while at the same time, we are building an API that we will charge for as well at some point. So, <laughs> you know, it's, but, but in, in a very, in, in, in a, not a very different, but in a bit of a different context is when we're not a hardware partner, but we are looking for all of those hardware partners out there globally that we can deliver, deliver us the data through, you know, through, you know, as I mentioned, MQTT, BACnet, Modbus, OPC, whatever it is, and we can then push that out to the customers. So it is a bit wild west. It, again, People like Jim, you know, at the forefront of what he's doing as a CTO for Boston Properties saying, I'm not doing this. And, and we've got another huge landlord as a customer and they're already saying the same thing. Michael, straight away, we're just, we're doing our first project with them. We don't want to charge, we don't want to pay for any platform apart from yours, done and dusted. So just bring us sensors that do that. So it will change over time. Lots of people building APIs, good, bad, and ugly, to, to figure out where their API fits. Can they charge for it? Can, will people use it? 
is that does that make them stickier to me? Does that mean they can't pull away? Lots of different reasons. Yeah, super interesting. It's something that I I think I think it is a phase of where we're at right now. I mean, if we use the example of let's just pick one of the big occupancy counting platforms, you're providing a sensor and then you do have analytics that help that sensor get more accurate over time, right? So there is some justification for, you know, I'm going to update those algorithms over time and therefore you will pay me an ongoing fee to continue to provide more value. But if I'm looking at that from a historical industry perspective, from an industry that's used to just buying a sensor and having some paying a contractor to stick it on the wall and that be it, I think that's requiring a pretty big leap and the value ongoing value is not necessarily there, especially if no one is logging into the platform to like, to use your software that you're providing with your sensor. It's just a really interesting spot that we're in right now. It, it, it is. And, and the occupancy capacity sensor is probably one of the biggest ones, right? Because we, we are now, and, and we've installed them all. We, we're partnered with everyone. We're, we're kind of Switzerland on this, but We've got lots of we've got lots of our partners installed. One of our biggest customers is saying, we just want to put all this into your platform. When you attach machine learning and AI, will we be able to make the sensors smarter? No, but will we be able to inform the partners who make the sensors to make it smarter? Yes, we will. Will we do that? Yes, we will, because it'll add value to them. It'll add value to our customers and they'll then roll more of those out, which will mean more connections to our platform, which will mean more sales to the hardware partners. But it, most importantly, it still means more value to the customer because we're storing the data as well. There's lots of, you know, everyone's got a data lake and everyone's storing data, but actually doing something smart with it. And if, and if we're able to take all of that data from multiple different vendors and crunch it all together and then say to all of them, by the way, this would help you sell more or, or, or maybe not sell more. This would, this would help add more value to your product. And the reason why is because we've got 50,000 of these and 10,000 of yours and 10,000 of someone else's and 10,000 of someone else's. That's, that's where I think the value is for the customer. But if you're just doing that with one sensor from one hardware partner, you can, you can make your sensor smarter. You can make your platform smarter, but that's not the be all and end all because the other part of making your platform smarter, which is what we continuously do is take feedback from customers because no one in our industry, James, has the, the silver bullet to solve every problem for a customer, no matter what it is, whether it's air quality, energy, occupancy, capacity, building management, maintenance from vibrations. No one has everything. It's the flexibility of adapting to the customer requirements and building new data views and reports that they need to help drive value back to them. It's the same with the sensors. If someone can aggregate all of that, give the data back to the customer and then give the data back to the hardware suppliers to help them make their sensors smarter, more efficient, then, then I think that's the, that's the place. That's what we would like to do. That's where we're trying to get to. Interesting. Yeah, the, the way that I teach this in our course is each use case has like a certain amount of total value to the various stakeholders in the building. And if you're not capturing that whole value, then you can't charge for the entire cost of that stack, right? Yeah. It's really interesting. Anything else around APIs? I mean, it sounds like you're creating a video response to that LinkedIn thread 
So we'll definitely uh, publish that yeah, in the yeah, show notes I, I will, of the newsletter. Uh, yeah, Caitlin, who's our head of content, came up with a good idea. Rather than, uh, like you, I'm, I'm quite busy, but I, I like to try and respond to everything that people write on LinkedIn or, 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 or Twitter. I'm not on a lot of social media platforms, but I like to try and respond to them all. So Caitlin just condensed everything for me and I did a short video answering them all. So we're going to push that out soon and, and you know, the good, the bad, the ugly about it. So yeah, that, that will come out this, this, this week or next week, I think. All right. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. So the occupancy data piece, it sounds like you have, just to kind of bring what we're talking about with APIs home, it sounds like you've analyzed the marketplace for these providers and there are certain sensor providers that are, sort of just like hardware and data only. And then there are certain providers that are like full stack, charge you, SaaS fee, all that, right? So what, what is that kind of, what kind of insights and lessons learned have you uh, gained from analyzing that whole marketplace? Number one, I think, again, this comes back to the customer, which is the most important person in our world, everyone's world, is trying to find the right balance of, price whether that's capex or opex everyone sells an ROI. everyone talks about selling an roi these days but if a customer has a budget and you need to fit into that budget you need to find the right products to fit so mm. the software the software is always the cheapest part but by a long way so trying to find the right hardware partners to fit the budget to then try and get the accuracy that the customer needs for their requirements it is something that we've learned and, and we've, we've had some, some lessons learned. We've worked with some hardware partners that have said they can do one thing. They do one something very well. And they said, well, we could do that as well. And we try it with them, but it hasn't worked. So we park them and say, right, you are just an occupancy sensor for desks and meeting rooms and open spaces, but a capacity counting sensor, that is something that people need. And that has to be super accurate. Cause if you're during COVID, you wanted live in and outs, then you needed a really accurate sensor. If you, if you don't need it as accurate now because we're post, we're not post-COVID, but people things are being a bit more relaxed and people are going back. If you don't need 98 plus percent accuracy and you just need 90% over, a, so rather than be 98% accuracy, accurate minute on minute, if you need 90, 90 to 94% accuracy over a whole day, there's a different sensor for that and, and there's a different price point for that. So one of the things we've learned Fortunately, all of our customers are fantastic. They're very flexible. One of our customers is, let's, Michael, we'll be guinea pig for everything. So just test everything with us. Bring us new kit, bring us new technology. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, no problem. We've all learned something from it. So hmm. that's a learning we've had, and they're a great customer. But one of the things we have learned is you need to test a lot of these pieces of hardware to understand what they really can and can't do, and then work out the value for your customer in, in that respect. You need to be independent because... Uh, we're not we, we're not interested in the hardware really at all it's the software and the solution for the customer so finding the right hardware partner is important understanding the value to the customer and then giving them the solution that fits their requirement and, and budget always comes into that right whether, whether you're talking about roi and potentially saving them millions people don't have an open checkbook to say let's use the biggest best most expensive sensor in the market because it also looks cool mm -hmm but it's going to cost me $50,000 to do a four-story building. That's a bit eye-watering where, you know, you can get something for half of that price without any ongoing costs. That's something that we've learned. And I think the market is learning that as well. There's, don't, don't get me wrong. Some of these guys are going to make a ton of money over the next few years, but I think the longer this space goes on, 
And the longer this industry, sorry, the more this industry matures, the smarter customers are getting and the smarter people are getting about what the, what the real value is that they get out of these devices. Because one of the things that we've also learned is these devices, there needs to be flexibility because I'll give you an example. We're working with a customer at the moment. Their lease comes up in, in April, 2026. So we're putting sensors in now and we're going to swamp the whole building with those sensors capacity counting sensors at every entrance and exit. And then we're doing desks and meeting rooms and we're using some battery powered sensors. When we get enough data, the, the capacity counting sensors will stay in until they move out. But the occupancy data, they'll have enough probably over the next two years to hmm. say, right, we know exactly how this building's being used, how many people are in it. Let's keep the capacity counting sensors in and move the occupancy sensors to another building. Wow. And because, they're, because they're battery powered, the beauty is take them down, stick them in another building in the Metricus platform, drop another floor plan in, leave the current asset pin, as we call it there, with all of the data from that building, create a new one and stick it in there. You've got all your historic data still from the other building, but you just move that sensor to another building. So you don't then have to buy, and this is our advice, and hardware partners probably don't want to hear this, but you don't have to buy tens of thousands of these to put them in every building why not take a stock and then move that stock around from building to building? And that's something we've learned and something that we talk to our customers about as well, because battery powered sensors that are out there now are getting better and better. And you, then, then you, you leave in what you need to leave in and you move what you can move. That's the value for the customer. So that's something we've learned. And, and actually it was quite funny when we first did it, we we're like, customers said, well, we, let's move them out and put them in another building. We're like, wow. Can you do that? Well, you actually can because they're battery powered and you don't, there's no, you haven't run a hundred or 200 or a thousand power over ethernet cables to a sensor and leave it in the ceiling. And when you rip it out, they're like, wow, that's a lot of wasted money. So yeah, that's, that, that's something we've learned as well. I mean, capacity counting sensors. I, I, I don't know to date anyone in the world that can do them, uh, you know, because they're every second, right? We get the data pretty much instantly. So counting people in and out because you can have hundreds of people come through entrances. So that needs to be powered. Someone will eventually create one of those. How big the battery will be, I don't know. But until that happens, that's power over Ethernet. But in meeting rooms like I am now, battery powered is, is really cool because it becomes flexible for the customer. And if, you, if you're getting rid of a building in 2026, stick 3,000 sensors in, you rip them out, and then you've got you know, buildings with six, seven, 800 desks in, you can then spread those sensors out to three or four different buildings. That's value. That's value to the customer. Very cool. Let's shift gears to aerated. I said we were going to circle back to that. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk about how aerated differs from other IAQ certifications? And, and second part of that is, is there like a performance aspect to it, given that you guys are a data platform? Also. Yeah, so, so I would recommend getting the really smart person who knows absolutely everything end to end about aerated on, which is Francesca. So I would recommend you do that at a later okay. date. Uh, Writing that down. <laughs> she is the environmental scientist. She is the science part of aerated. I'm the operations part. That's how we kind of came together to, to make the company. But the, the difference, I kind of mentioned it before, uh, one of the differences is aerated is about air. It is just about air in the building. So it's not, you know, if you look at some of the other standards out there, they, they are about health and well-being, portions of food, the size of dinner plates, you know, lots of different things in a building. And if someone wants to do all of that, great. But then there's a big cost associated with that. 
where a lot of people who want to know what's going on with the air quality want something simple that's not going to break the bank and, and roll it out. You know, most of our customers for air rated are landlords and you know, legal and general investment management in the UK, Elgin. They've put out some press releases. Air rated has helped them attract tenants. They're able to still charge a premium lease because they've got air scores. So, so that's helping them. Do they want to do everything around something like the well standard, which is great and it's all encompassing and it's huge? No. And if they did that in 143 buildings, which they have, that's a hell of a lot of money. You yeah, know? definitely. You know? Whereas air rated, it's a bit of a no brainer. People spend more on flowers in reception every year than they do on an air score because, you know, the, the, there's it, it's. You know, I don't like to say the word cheap. It's cost effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it gives you the data you need. We take the outdoor air quality. We take the indoor air quality. We do an RFI with the customer, request for information to understand how the building is used, what's going on, what's the regime with the BMS, how often the filters are changed. We monitor that we, we place the sensor strategically in a building. And then at the end of three weeks, we then write the air score reports and you either get certified silver, gold or platinum. So it runs the same way that wide score does. And then we run through that with the customer. They get recommendations on what they could change to go from certified or silver, silver to gold, gold to platinum. If we, if we first plug in and air quality is not great, we will speak to the customer and say, would you like to pause this? Because we've got some recommendations, that, the quick wins that would might help you with this. And if they say yes, great. We did that with the Met Office. They were one of the first people to take it up and they did remediate and they went from certified to almost gold. They were at the top end of silver and they'll get a gold this year when they renew because they've made some other remediations. Now for them, those remediations, those remediations didn't cost them a lot of money, but they've had a big impact on the score that they get. Now, when you're a landlord, and you're in this world that they're in now trying to attract tenants and charge, still charge a premium rent, you need something. You know, it's like Metricus. Metricus now we're working, when I didn't finish this earlier, we're working with more landlords than we ever have because they, go, they want a smart building and they want to say they've got a smart building and they want to monitor capacity, energy, and indoor air quality. And then when they get a tenant that says, wow, that's great, how do I get that? They recommend Metricus. It's a win-win. With air rated, it's pretty much the same. It is landlords putting it in putting the air score badge on the window and then publicizing it and using as much publicity as they can attracts people to their building allows them to charge a premium rent hmm. and it's just it when i say it's just air that's the most important thing in, in the world is the air we breathe because without it we wouldn't be alive it's very simple but it's very clear and it gives them a score and it gives it, it, it we monitor Temperature, humidity, CO2, VOCs, and dust. That's where you get your score from. They're all weighted differently. But you know, then you have a complete view and a complete picture. People publish it, you know, Elgin shouting about it everywhere. We've just started, we've just launched in the US. We've got our first customers in the US. And it's it's like, you know, this is great. We, you know, we can do this all day long. We've got hundreds of buildings. And instead of spending hundreds of thousands of pounds per building, we're spending at a maximum 16,000 pounds per building. If you already have accredited certified sensors like Kytera, Aware, AirThings, then the cost is even cheaper. It's like 30% less because you've already got the sensors in and we just need the data. Hmm. And then we take the outside data. So it's very flexible, it's very easy. It's easy to understand, but it, it adds huge amounts of value back to the landlord and to the, to the end user. You know, we have end use Met, Met Office, 
the office group, which is a co-working space, you know, owned by Blackstone, they've got it because they want to show everyone that when you're coming and taking a seat or a desk in our co-working space, where you've got a productive environment, the air quality is good. It's conducive to good, good productivity for people. So it's different. So we take the main ones, well, fit well and reset. Well is an all encompassing standard. Uh, fit well is, is again, almost all encompassing, but they both have an air quality part and reset they monitor for three months and it's either pass or fail. So there, there, there is a, there is a difference there. So I, I was speaking to Rafa about how we could partner up, but it didn't actually end up going anyway, unfortunately, but that's the difference as well. Ours is three weeks. It's ongoing. We also do what's called the air score DNO. So there's the air score for, for operating buildings in the built environment. And then there's the air score DNO. DNO stands for design and operate. So we go in at a REBA stage two or three level, four level, and, and we look at the design of your HVAC and we can give you advice on it. And then you can get a certified silver, gold or platinum from mm. there as well. And we, we did a building in, in Brussels where they were going to get a gold and we said, look, if you actually just change the filters from the filters you have to carbon filters, that will get you a platinum. They got a platinum. And then by having that, people were taking, you know, people were looking to lease the space before the building was even built because they had a platinum air score DNO. When they finished the building, if they didn't do what we've recommended, they obviously won't get an air score platinum, but these guys did and they got an air score platinum and then, then, then they're away. So two sides to it, the DNO, the design and operate and the ongoing. And the ongoing one, it's, it's, it's different to wired score, right? Because wired score technology doesn't change. Once you've plugged in dark fiber, once you've put 5G in, once you've connected it all up, you're not ripping that out because you need to make as much money as possible. But air changes every year. If your facilities management company, your BMS provider, if they're not maintaining your HVAC systems properly, your air score will go down and not up. Hmm. So that it, it, it is, that's the other big part of it that I think it's hugely important and why it's, why it's gaining the traction that it has. Cool. Super interesting. Thank you for going into that. We'll do, Francesco will do a much better job than me, by the way, but that's, that's, that's my take. <laughs> All right. You can connect us and we'll go, we'll go into that with her on the show. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned W360 and kind of taking it into from IAQ to IEQ. What, what does that entail? You know, I'm thinking of everything on top of indoor air quality, like daylight, sound, all those types of things. What, yeah, that's, that, what does that sort of look like? That's exactly what it is, actually. It, it is light, which is uh, lux levels and flicker. Okay. And, 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 it's, and it's noise. So those, those components are in there. The other part that's in there, TVOCs, but formaldehyde is pulled out completely separately as, as a measurement as well. And then what is the interesting part, what's also taken into consideration as part of this, which is what the guys at, at EFT and us have built together, with another company called Baker Stewart is taking into account the people feedback. So the people survey. So okay. as well as having the platform and when, when you're getting the data into the platform, there's a scoring matrix that's been built to meet the British standard that's coming out, but there's also people feedback. So there is physical feedback from people in the building to get their views on, on what it's like working in that environment. So as well as doing everything for indoor air quality, there is light, which is lux and flicker. There is noise. And then there's the environment that they also are in. And, and it is, number one, it's doing a physical survey. But then the other is getting the feedback from the people actually working in that building. And then all of that data together gives you your score 
rated against the, the the British standard that's coming out. There is there is talk that it will become a global standard, but at the moment it's it's a British standard that's coming out, and so that's that's the difference, you know. And and a lot of it is for for the guys at EFT Consult, and the reason they started that they they actually wrote what's called the PAS that has become the standard themselves. They wrote it with Bizria, BRE, the Welsh government, the UK government, like lo lots of other bodies. But the reason that they did this was, you know, you know, probably as well as I do, James, given your background, building management systems are put in and installed and configured, but kind of left and they're not maintained as well as they should be. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's going to change as well. But there's a lot of remediation that needs to be done when you start to put third party sensors in and really understand the environment in a building. So, yeah, part of that is the remediation that needs to be done as well, which is what the M&E side of that is for these guys to do. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, 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 and from that, the, the byproduct of that is a tick in the box for ESG because generally, and this is not, this is not our expertise at all with software company, but they're being the M&E guys, a, a building management or a BMS review can save you a minimum of 10% on energy generally, right? So there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a big tick in the box there. Really cool. And, and what's that UK standard called? And when it comes out, it's BS British Standard 40102 when it comes out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow, this has been a fun conversation. So what are you excited about the rest of 2021, early 2022? Metricus Helix is one of the big things that we're excited about, obviously. It's being built. We've got beta testing going on through our API with some customers around indoor air quality. Getting more and more people signed up to that and what we're doing with that is is really exciting for us. And and a lot of what's going into that is is from our customers and what our customers are asking us, whether they're new customers or existing customers or actually customers that we've spoken to six to nine months ago where we didn't exactly have what they needed and we may not have won them as customers as well, but we were asked about it enough by by people we didn't win and, and exist, you know, when we brought it back and said to our customers, what about this? Would this, would this added any value to you? All of the really good stuff where everyone has lessons learned, right? We've done things wrong. We've done things that, that not in the best way sometimes, but you know, the definition, definition of insanity is doing the same thing every day and expecting a different outcome. We've, we've, we've listened, we've learned and we're changing because of those learnings. That's the coolest thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably, the most excited person in the company apart from Sam, who's actually him and his team are building it to see it when it comes out, because I might be completely wrong here. Right. I'm, 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 I'm Australian and I generally think I'm right, which annoys my wife, but it's, it's everything we, we know from listening that the market needs and what customers have been asking for that we hope will change the industry and help accelerate the change in the industry. So for us, it, it's about ease of use. It's about ad adaptability, and and it's about openness mm. and value. So that's that's what we're that's what we're hugely excited about. And the other one is I'm hugely excited about is having a Christmas where I'm not in lockdown. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the other one I'm excited about, and and getting to the US. So I've I've been I've had three events that I've tried to get to the US for in the last couple of months. That I you know Cretech, which is now right Today. Today, yeah. 13, 13th and 14th I'm, I'm supposed to have been there to meet a ton of people Jim Whalen was number one you know on my list to go and probably cycle with and then go to meet and, and have it <laughs> but 
yeah, going getting to the US is the other bit I'm excited about. We've got a we've got a new partner in the US that we're starting to work with. There, a lady called Jill Frey who owns a huge facilities management company and wants to do smart cleaning. To get out to see her, to go and see her customers, there's there's a ton of stuff I'm excited about apart from getting out of lockdown. But Helix, Christmas, Jill, getting to the US and going to speak to our customers that we've only ever had video calls with. Awesome, well, really cool, Michael. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate yeah, no you problem. sharing all this. Yeah, no problem, James. Thanks very much for having me. I will put you in touch with Francesca and uh, I'll send you the video on the API responses as well. Perfect. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus Podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, which, by the way, readers have said is the best way to stay up to date on the future of the smart building industry, please subscribe at nexuslabs.online. You can find the show notes for this conversation there as well. Have a great day. Thank you.